Hello and welcome to A Week in Football, a weekly podcast that takes a look back over the action and events of the previous Premier League game week. We will take a look at the results, performances and certain players' individual performances and also bring you any major news or developments in the world of the Premier League. We will also have a look forward to the upcoming game week and point out our game to look forward to. I'm your host Matt Smith and I've been joined today by Ed Keoghan. All right, Ed, what's the story? How's things? All good. Um, just thinking maybe going forward, we might record the podcast before Liverpool have a chance to uh, ruin my happiness before we record. Well, I said to you, do you want to do a Tuesday at six? And then you said, no, no, Wednesday because the Liverpool game is on. So I left it up to you. So you put yourself into that situation. But anyway, we'll touch on that. Sound behind me out there. Sound, sound. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll uh, talk about that result a little bit later on, maybe. Um, we had a full list of Premier League fixtures to talk about after the international break. So we'll get straight stuck into these. Our first game there was on the Saturday. It was Chelsea against West Brom. We said in the last podcast that this could be the game that relegates West Brom. And again, it just goes to prove that we know absolutely nothing about football because West Brom <laughs> beat Chelsea 5-2. Um, it, was, it was a mad game to watch. Um, Chelsea were definitely the better team in the first 20 minutes. They got a goal to Pulisic at 27 minutes. And then it went into injury time in the first half. Thiago Silva got sent off for a second yellow. It was it his two yellow cards were absolutely mad? I don't know why he did both of them. But West Brom scored two goals in injury time with the first half to go into the break two one up and Chelsea being down to ten men. Both of those goals were absolutely brilliant goals from Pereira. He's he's was an unbelievable signing for West Brom. And and again, we said it before, I don't think he's gonna be there next year. Callum Robinson scored um his fourth Premier League goal and his fourth goal against Chelsea. So all of his goals, Gorgeous have, all of his goals have come against uh, Chelsea. He can't score. He can't kick snow off for for Ireland, but he bangs them in for West Brom against Chelsea. Fair play to him. And then um, the big striker, Dian got a goal then to uh, make it for one. Chelsea got a consolation through Mason Mount. It was a tidy little finish as well. And then West Brom uh, sealed the game uh, through Callum Robinson yet again. Pereira with another assist. Um, we said this would be the game that relegates West Brom. I do think it only prolongs the inevitability, the inevitable um, that West Brom will eventually go down. But Thomas Tuchel's first defeat as Chelsea manager. Next game on the Saturday was Leeds hosting Sheffield United. We were kind of looking forward to this game as well. Leeds again just bombarded Sheffield United's goal. 23 goal attempts, only eight on target though. Tight enough game in the end. Leeds ran out 2-1 winners. Um, big result for Leeds um, in terms of the league table, especially with other results going heavily in their favour. They are still in the lower half of the table, but they are only one or two wins away from Europe now, which is huge for Leeds. And again, Sheffield United, um, I don't know if it's mathematically done yet, but I think they're only um, one or two more games away from that happen. Our game of the week to look forward to was Leicester-Man City third game on Saturday. Um Man City ran out 2-0 winners. It wasn't, it didn't really live up to the hype that we thought it was. Um, Leicester were kind of very poor, didn't really have many goal attempts. Uh, Man City were very, very comfortable in the game. Benjamin Medi got a goal. It was nil out of halftime. Benjamin Medi got a goal uh, 10 minutes into the se- or 15 minutes into the second half. Uh, and Gabriel Jesus got another goal for Man City as well. Aguero um only lasted um an hour as well. So another 
it doesn't really look like Pep Guardiola and Aguero are seeing eye to eye lately. And he did actually announce that he's going to be leaving, as we spoke about last week on the podcast. Also, another big win for Man City. Um, another defeat for Leicester. And Leicester are kind of hanging on in the Champions League spots for the simple reason that the teams around them are losing as well. Fourth game on the Saturday, Ed, was Arsenal against Liverpool. Liverpool, big big win for Liverpool this, especially with all the teams around them dropping points. They ran out 3-0 winners. Um, Diego Jada, you really, really missed him this season when he was out injured. Scored two absolute cracking goals. Uh, Mo Salah scoring a goal in between that as well. All goals came in the second half. Yet another defeat for Arsenal. And you know what it was? It was, it was actually pretty pathetic from Arsenal. Um, 36% possession at home, three goal attempts, only two on target. Liverpool were by far the better team and we'll, we're going to have a chat about Arsenal later on but that wraps up the Saturday's fixtures as big win for Liverpool. Yeah, and uh, we'll probably talk more on that when we go into a bit more detail on the games um, but that brought us into Sunday and started off with Southampton at home to Burnley. I think in the last podcast we also said that this would be a low-scoring game, probably a boring game. Um, <clears throat> just compounded our misery on our West Brom prediction. This one did. So, so Hampton ran out 3-2 winners in the end. Um, Bournemouth were one up in the first half, midway through the first half, through a penalty. Um, an awful tackle by Kyle Walker-Pierce. Um, I don't know what he was doing, really. Uh, went to VAR. Penalty was given. Chris Wood took that away. Um, the second goal, lovely goal. Very route one. I think Pope knocked it on up. Uh, Chris Wood got the header on and Vidra just powered it past um, the Southampton goalkeeper. 2-0 up in the first half. I was thinking, oh my God, Southampton probably going to be on the receiving end of another thumping here. But as the half went on, they actually got two lovely goals back and no surprise, Danny Ings was involved in both of them. Uh, the first one, lovely little assist, flick around the corner and uh, Armstrong powered it home. Then the second goal was all Danny Ings. Um, he kept putting pressure on the defender after the ball was hooked up the line. The defender kind of lost a footing. Ings was true on goal. Just as he was about to pull the trigger, the defender was getting back and the keeper was coming out. So he just took one touch, brought it to the side a bit, great bit of composure, um, very calm. Slaughter home, 2 all. Um, and then going into the second half, it was Southampton fairly comfortable. They were dominating without getting that that winning goal, but they soon got it again. Ings with another shot saved by Pope. <clears throat> Knocked it back out to, I think it was Walcott. he done a little chip to the back post and Redmond's uh, started home a volley. Mm. Probably deserving of their, their win, um, but an awful start by them, but a huge three points for Southampton. They badly needed it, especially with their form as of late. They were dropping down closer to the relegation zone, so three points is huge for them. Brings them back up to 13th, and they're they're fairly they're fairly comfortable looking there now. Although there's not a lot of points between 13th and 17th, I must say. Um, that brought us into our second game, which was Newcastle at home to Spurs. Huge game this for Newcastle. Um, Fulham were on just after them as well, so it was huge for them to get a point or three points to try stay out of that relegation zone. They actually started brightly, and they had multiple chances on on Tottenham's goal. They then took the lead through a nice bit of pressure. Tottenham trying to play out at the back. Uh, ball broke to Longstaff and he played a nice pass in. Joe Ludden, first time, bottom corner. Um, I think 
I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. I think his Premier League goals have all come against Spurs. I think he's three of them in total. <laughs> um, so he likes playing against Spurs. But Spurs spun the game on its head in a matter of three minutes, I think it was. Uh, two goals from Harry Kane. The first one was very fortunate. It was actually disgraceful defending by the Newcastle defender. I don't know why. He was trying. It's like he was trying to pick out an intricate pass when the ball was being drilled across the goal and he mishit it off Kane Sheen and basically rolled into the net. Um, the second goal was actually a lovely finish by Kane. Tangoy and Dumble, I think, was heavily involved in both goals. He does seem to be the only creative spark in the in the Spurs midfield. But Spurs do what Spurs do. They bottled it. Um, Newcastle did have a couple more chances, but they finally got their equaliser through Joe Willock. And to be honest with you, I don't think many Spurs fans could actually say that Newcastle didn't deserve a point from that game or possibly three points. Huge point for them. It kept them 17th. Um, with Fulham losing, which brings me to the next game, which was Aston Villa at home to Fulham. Um, Villa won 3-1 won in the end. So as I say, that point for Newcastle was huge. It puts them three points out of Fulham with a game in hand now. Um, and it also puts them three points only off Brighton. Um, VAR took a penalty away from Villa early on after the ref gave it for a tackle on Watkins. It actually turned out that there was very little contact and it was a dive, so rightly so it was it was overturned. Um it looked like Fulham learned their lesson from that early pressure and Barr letting them off the hook because they took the lead through well it was an awful error by Mings. He was trying to pass it back casually to the keeper and he mishit it and put Mitrovic through and five goals in the international break. He was never missing. Rounded the keeper, tapped it in, Fulham won nil up. I don't know, I because we mentioned a lot on this podcast about Villa's games in hand because they, they, they did have a few games in hand over the other teams around them I think they still do but we keep saying that they need to be winning these games or else the games in hand are useless so they've done well to turn it around um, Mings made up for his error with a nice cross I don't know what he was doing that far up the pitch but with a nice cross into uh, Trezeguet who uh, slot home a lovely finish and then he scored again shortly after on a counter attack with another lovely finish I, I have to say um, two nice goals from him. Changed the game quite quickly, similar enough to the Spurs game. Um, and then with only a couple of minutes to go, Watkins sealed it with a tap-in. Um, so three points for Villa, which is huge. Puts them up into ninth. Only three points behind Everton. And they both have played 29 games compared to everybody else played 30 or 31. Mm-hmm. But... Um, that brought us into the final game of the day, which was actually a, a big game for both teams, as it turned out, just based on the results of the weekend. Um, three points here was huge for United. It gave them a bit of distance from Leicester, especially with Leicester slipping up against City. Um, Brighton actually played really well, um, as we expect, because they play well every week. They just don't get the results, and, and this was no different. They lost 2-1 in the end, but after Greenwood hit the post early on, Brighton actually took the lead through a nice, nice counter-attack. Lovely cross in, Welbeck with a shot from about four yards out. It was actually initially saved. It was actually a decent save, but how was it look? It actually just bounced right in front of Welbeck, and all he had to do was literally just touch the ball with his head, and it was in. Mm-hmm. Um, Brighton took the lead in, into half time. Then, second half, Brighton were unlucky actually later on in the half not to have a penalty. Uh, clumsy tackle by Maguire, it went to VAR. I'm actually not sure how they didn't give it. But, Definitely penalty. Yeah. Um, 
United actually did do well to get themselves back into the game. Uh, a lovely move, nice pass by um, Bruno Fernandes and Rashford with a Thierry Henry type finish. It was lovely. Um, you could put Rashford in about 10 times in the game. He'd probably miss eight of those chances. So nice to see one of them go in from his point of view. Um, as I said, then that penalty instance happened. I think Maguire was very, very lucky. Same weekend that a couple of the English centre backs all made a couple of howlers. I think John Stones was the only one that got away with it. And I think that's because he actually didn't play. <laughs> but Mings, Maguire, with that incident, he got away with it in the end. And I think Connor Cody was Connor Cody was uh, so had a bad night on Monday night. But um, you know, later on, then Bruno Fernandez crossed into the box to Pogba. Uh, Pogba tried to body it, miss hit the shot, but it fell kindly to Greenwood, and he. Slot at home a header, um, an impressive header actually. And every time I actually watch him play, I actually do get more and more impressed with his finishing levels. Um, he's just a naturally good finisher. He knows at the back of the net is. Um, but United took three points. Brighton, it's not the end of the world. They're still sitting six points clear of Fulham, uh, with a game in hand over Fulham as well, and they're only three points off 14 spot as well. So Brighton are actually. They gave themselves a bit of breathing space with the result last week. So uh, that brought us into Monday, Matt. Yeah, well, it's it's not the end of the world, as you say, for Brighton, because their next game is actually against Everton. Uh, so they should uh, get a few points out of that one. Um, speaking of uh, Everton, that was the first game on Monday night, uh, six o'clock kickoff. Between I got, them. I got, I got, I'm just there, uh, just sending Simon Jordan the link here. Hang on. <laughs> oh, it won't end. Listen, not not all teams can be Palace. Listen, they're, they're a very, very good team. And I've been saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks that Palace are a fantastic team. And we'd be doing well to get a result against them. Now, I'll jump on the side. Um, Everton were, were by far the better team. Um, I think I wouldn't say that they, they played brilliantly. Um, I'd say they had the better share of the chances, I'd say. Looking at the stats, it's fairly even. Um but Everton had the better guilt edge chances and Dominic Carvalhoon just cannot finish to save his life. Um, if, you, if you gave him a whipped in ball and he was had a header on, on, the, on the penalty spot, he'd probably put it in the back of the net. But give him a one-on-one opportunity with a keeper and he just cannot see him. He just hit the straight of the keeper every time. Um, Richardson had a few efforts as well. Um, and it's just it's just one of those frustrating results. If it, it felt like a loss... And straight after the game, I was just like, could that be the end of our European hopes? Like, Everton are still in a great position. And I think it was more it was more upsetting than it felt like a loss because a lot of the teams around us had lost in the weekend. The likes of Chelsea and all that had already lost. And we were kind of hoping to get closer to West Ham before West Ham played after us. So it was very, very disappointing. And the way we lost, or the way the way uh, Palace got back into the game in the 86 minutes through Batshuayi, it was a great little move by Palace, but it was bad Everton defending that let them in. Um, a word on Everton's goal, Rodriguez scored an absolutely fantastic goal. Um, ball played out to him on the edge of the box. And I think he actually, I counted it there, I think he had six players in front of him. And he slotted it into the bottom right-hand corner. I don't know how he did it. I don't even think he could see the bottom right-hand corner. And he managed to get it into the bottom right-hand corner. He's the touch of class Everton have, and during the summer they're gonna need to um, match his quality, or I don't see Everton improving. I'm sure they will, but um, 
yeah, it's good to have him back in the squad. And as I say, Everton have a huge game now coming up against uh, Brighton. Ed, on to the last game, which was Wolves against West Ham. Yeah, and this was entertaining again. Um, at the weekend, started off with a really entertaining game with the Chelsea West Brom one, and the last game basically summed up the whole weekend, full of goals, chances. Um, it was a brilliant game to watch, to be honest. West Ham in the first half again. Blowing teams away. Uh, they took the lead through Lingardino. <laughs> basically picked the ball up inside his own half and just dribbled. Now, this is what I was talking about with the centre-halves of England with Cody. It's like nobody was even closing Lingard down. It was actually, as much as it, as it was a great solo goal, um, the defence was absolutely awful from Wolves. But Lingard and the form he's in, given that much time, that's what he'll do. Uh, he was involved in all three goals actually um, he got the assist of the assist for the second goal mm-hmm. uh, great bit of skill just on the line the ball looked like it was going out of play and he, he done like a Berbatov type flick and I think um, then the left back I think it was Creswell or came right, in and right, met yeah. the ball yeah. yeah crossed it over and uh, I think Fornell slotted it home a nice goal and then the tour goal Again, it was, it was similar to his first goal. It, was, it, was, it looked like he was going to just dribble his way through the whole team. Um, eventually, he actually just played a, a lovely ball um, in front of Jared Bowen. Didn't have to break his stride and a lovely finish by him. Second go- time in two games, West Ham take a 3-0 lead in the first half. Um, Wolves actually responded before halftime with a great bit of work by Traore. Similar to Lingard, who just ran from his own half all the way up the pitch. Great cross in and then Donker headed home. So stopped West Ham from going in three 0 up for two weeks in a row in the Premier League. Um, into the second half, West Ham kind of controlled it. What they weren't really as open as they were in the first half. I think they were hanging on to the lead. I think they did a good job. Um, they conceded late on, but Fabio Silva with a lovely goal actually. Um, from him it was very similar to Harry Kane's second goal uh, for Tottenham. But it was only consolation at that point, really. But huge win for West Ham. Absolutely huge. They're sitting in fourth spot now. Great weekend for them, um, as it was for Liverpool in terms of the likes of Everton, Spurs, Chelsea, Leicester, all slipping up. Um, yeah, just West Ham continuing to impress. That sums up the, the week's results. Yeah, like we spoke about, obviously you went into a uh in-depth analysis there on West Ham fantastic uh, results for them um, another loss for Wolves Wolves seem to be looking to get the season over and done with to be honest with you um, we keep we keep expecting the West Ham bubble excuse the pun to burst um, but they don't they just keep the same uh, keep they keep on going and fair play to them I'm, I'm actually impressed with what David Moyes has done there so our game of the week to look forward to was obviously the Leicester and Man City game um, as I said before, it wasn't necessarily a fantastic game to watch. I think Man City kind of just went through the motions and uh, took their goals well. Leicester didn't really go for the game, which was disappointing. Um, I think Leicester kind of probably played for the point. Um, they didn't really go at them, which we, we both expected that they would do. They had nothing to lose. It was a free hit. Um, it would have been good to get a point out of City for Leicester, but obviously Man City just... They're just so strong that they're, they're leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. Um, but I want to obviously give an honorable mention to um West Brom Ed 
fantastic performance. They were actually fantastic from start to finish, even though Chelsea dominated the first 15 minutes of the game. They really, really came into it. Um, every single one of their goals were really, really good goals. They weren't scrappy. They weren't tappings. They were great team goals, great finishes. Um, yeah. Pereira was absolutely fantastic. What's your uh, opinion on the uh, West Brom's performance this weekend? Yeah, like uh, we we obviously picked the other game as game of the week because it's it was first against third, but this was probably actually the game of the week, and it was the first game back after an international break, and I don't think anyone's seen it coming. Um, I know we boldly predicted that would be the day West Brom be relegated last week, but realistically on paper and on form, that's exactly what everybody would have been thinking at that point. But they proved us all wrong. Um, Especially going down one nil as well. Like we have to remember, they're they're nineteenth in the league, and they go down one nil away to Chelsea. With the form Chelsea are in, it would be very easy to just crumble under there and that lose that one four nil. But they fought back. You you mentioned Thiago Silva. I, I think that was his first game back after injury, and it showed. He looked a bit clumsy. He looked a bit out of tune. The two tackles you were talking about, I don't think you really need to make either of them. No. The second one, I think he was actually trying to block the shot, but again, because he hasn't played in a while, he just his momentum carried him into the, the player, and it was a yellow, but it was it was unlucky in a way. But it let West Brom back into the game, and like you said, all five goals were actually unbelievable. I I initially said to um to my mates on Saturday, I I said to them like. That Callum Robertson goal is probably goal of the month already. Um, we've only started April really in, in terms of Premier League fixtures. So, but then Lingard went on and ran the pitch, so that kind of changed. But <laughs> every single one of the goals, and like you said, Pereira two goals and two assists. He, he is too good for West Brom. He does go in and in and out of games an awful lot. Probably too much for me, but I suppose you could probably put that down to as well. If he's in a struggling team, maybe he's not getting the service constantly. But I do think he he'll get a move. And uh, next season, and he actually, I think he goes down as our player of the week this week. Hundred percent, yeah. Uh, Pereira is fantastic. He, he, like you say, that he goes in and out of games. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Richarlison at Everton. Um, kind of once in every two or three games or three or four games, he's absolutely fantastic. And then he kind of goes missing. But I think that is to do with um tactics and stuff like that. Like um, if they're putting ten men behind the ball, he doesn't really have a chance to shine. But he's a fantastic player and. To be honest, I could see a team like Everton being interested um, in someone like I don't. I don't know if he's that good to go to the likes of Man City or Liverpool or um, even Chelsea or something like that. I think he'd end up being a squad player there. But I think if he was, if he was to go to maybe a team, maybe like a West Ham and Everton or even a Spurs, maybe Arsenal, he'd probably be a starter for them. So it's interesting to see. Well, yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to see exactly what happens with him. I want to just quickly glance over the um, Arsenal and Liverpool game just for the simple fact that it was a fantastic result for Liverpool. They really needed it. The results um, went their way. Um, big, big win. Um, it would probably uh, help Liverpool with the fact that it wasn't at Anfield. Um, it was a big win to get coming off the international break before they go in and play Real Madrid, um, which was last night. Obviously, Real Madrid hockeyed Liverpool 3-1. We won't get into that. But just another disappointing result for Arsenal. Now, we've been saying over the last few weeks that Arsenal just seem to be stuck in 10th spot. They've been joined now in 10th spot by Leeds. Um, Crystal Palace are only four points behind them. They're two points off Aston Villa. Um, 
unless the Villa and Everton have a game in hand. Like they, they seem to be destined to finish mid-table. It doesn't look like they're going to go up. It doesn't look like they're going to maybe go down. Maybe Leeds might overtake them. What do you make of Arsenal this season, Ed? And what do you make of the job Arteta's doing so far? But just actually, just before like uh, I, I say it on that, just with the Liverpool performance, um, they beat Wolves right before the international break, and I was thinking, brilliant to go on international international break with a win. But one part of me was afraid of the fact that, well, it's actually only one win, and then it's two two and a half weeks off or whatever maybe, and then they've all come back together, and will they be able to build on that? Um, Liverpool absolutely dominate. I know you you touched on. I think you said Arsenal had thirty three percent possession. I swear to God, watching it, I, I, I would have sworn it was less. I couldn't remember Arsenal holding on to possession for more than three minutes at a time. I don't even think... I don't think they had a shot on target until in, in the second half, I think late in the second half. But Liverpool were aggressive, intense on the front foot. It, it, was, it was a refreshing performance to watch because that's what us Liverpool fans have been used to over the last few years. None of them looked tired. Um, you fast forward then until last night they go into the Champions League and it was a polar opposite performance they were all a shell of themselves and the performance of, against Arsenal and then last night in Madrid was it's night and day I don't, I don't even know how to explain it but just with Arsenal I, I don't really understand that club and one thing that bothers me is you look on your social media and you see like Ar- with Arteta oh, he should be sacked and a lot of Arsenal fans calling for his head and stuff just to put it into context, he was hired by Arsenal, who were already finishing between 7th and 10th in that group, in that category. They weren't considered top four anymore for the last probably three, four years before he took over. There was at least 12 to 13 absolutely shy footballers at Arsenal. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating that them players shouldn't have been playing Premier League level. Some of them would actually probably struggle in the Championship. Mustafi Kolasinac, he had the Ozil situation when he walked in, the money he was on, refusing to, to play, then going onto his Twitter and acting acting the baggot and refusing to take a pay cut when he was earning 350 grand a week. The amounts that he had to deal with when he first went in there, along with Abamyang acting the bollocks with his contract situation as well and putting up egg timers and, and dragging a whole summer saga out of something that could have been sorted in five minutes. And now he's doing a bit of an ozel himself. He has nine goals so far this year. And last year he finished with 22 Premier League goals. He only has eight games left mm. to score 11 goals to match that. Or sorry, 13 goals. Uh, but with Arteta, it's performances like the second half against West Ham. You can see progress there. He's gotten a lot of them players off the books. He's gotten ozel out. I don't think the Aubameyang contract situation or captaincy was his decision, if I'm honest. I think they had to make him captain to try to keep him because they thought he was going to continue to bang in 20-plus goals, but that's that doesn't look likely now. His team play much better when the younger players are playing, so the Smith-Rowe, Saka, and the likes of Tierney. He came off injured. He was missing all these players against Liverpool. I just get a feeling when I'm watching them. It's like Aubameyang, Pepe, William are like mercenaries who are just there to get paid. Mm-hmm. If they score, happy days. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to do any dirty work. They don't want to have to get stuck in. They want balls laid onto a plate for them. 
or else they're not really going to try hard. They're not going to try conjure up a couple of chances for the teammates. When the young lads play, it's energy. They close down properly. There's high pressing. They can be absolutely brilliant. And I think he was hired in with the idea that was going to be a project and that he was going to have time. And in a year and a couple of months, he's won two trophies. He's gotten rid of probably eight players that were probably earning over 60 grand a week who were absolutely shy. They were all gone. He's brought in refreshing new talent. He's given Saka his chance. Uh, Smith Rowe. He got Odegaard in on loan, who's been excellent for them. Mm. Martinelli's been struggling with injuries, but he's trying to get him in. Tierney's been excellent. So they actually do have a, a good platform there for him to build off. I'd say in the summer, he'll probably get rid of a couple of more Deadwood players that he probably couldn't this year. The likes of Xhaka, David Luiz, maybe a couple of the other centre-halves, Pablo Mari or, or Rob Holden, because they're not elite level. Um, but I think he's doing actually a decent job with what he has. And I think the expectations for him doing a good job are ridiculous because he took over a club that hasn't won anything in years by the FA Cup. Yeah, They were finishing outside the top four in the Premier League. But yet, when you look down the road and there's United fans saying that Oli is the second best manager of the league because United are second, but yet they call what he's doing progress, but he's been knocked out of semi-finals. They're not winning the league this year. Their only hope is winning the Europa League, which Arsenal can still technically win. But yet, Arteta should be sacked and Oli's making good progress. Oli took over a team that is worth nearly a billion, billion quid. They, they should be coming in the top four. Mm. But that Arsenal team that Arteta inherited shouldn't be coming in the top ten. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with you um, completely. Like, I, if you look at the table over the last three or four years, like you said, and you look at the squads on paper, the squad that Arteta took over, he's had to get rid of half of the squad. He's brought through youth. He's developing the youth players. Like, if you look at the league table, Man City, Man United, Leicester, Chelsea, West Ham, Spurs, Liverpool, Everton, Aston Villa, all ahead of them. But five or six of those teams that are ahead of them definitely have better squads on paper than Arsenal. So so they're not they're not even a Champions League squad anymore. They're barely a Europa League squad anymore. So their finishing between eighth and tenth is probably about right. So if Arteta did anything better than that, it'd be an improvement. So I completely agree with you. I think Arteta just needs to be given time. I think he's going to have a decent summer as long as... Ar- and you know, you know what's huge for them as well for next year, Matt? Sorry to cut across you. If they do finish where they are now, which they probably will, because they'll probably get maybe a couple more wins, but they'll also probably lose a couple yeah. of times. So they'll probably finish where they are. I think that's only beneficial for Arteta and for what he's trying to do there in the project. Not getting Europa League football. So... A couple of the big eagles will probably want to go because they feel like they should be playing European football because of who they are for some reason. The likes of Pepe, Willian, Aubameyang. They might start looking to go. And oh, yeah. Well, Lacazette, I actually think, is actually decent. And he looks like he puts in a shift every single game. So I I wouldn't really include him in a player that you'd need to get rid of. But others definitely. And if all he has to focus on next year is one game a week, and he's able to get in a couple more of his players and get rid of a couple more players that he inherited, not ones that he wants there. I'd actually see Arsenal doing probably what West Ham have done this year. Yeah. 
But it all depends on if he can get them out and get new, fresh players in that are willing to listen to his ideas rather than thinking, oh, I, I score 20 goals a year, so I can do what I want. It, you know what I mean? So, see now what happens with, with these type of teams as well. Um, when the fans come back into the stadium, teams that are kind of underperforming at home and stuff like that, it'll be interesting to see. But um, we'll move on now from, from uh, the Arsenal talk. I agree with everything you said there, 100%. Small bit of news of the week is that today Kevin De Bruyne has signed a contract extension with Manchester City. He's added another three and a half years onto his current, or he'll be he'll be at the club for another three and a half years. Um, he extended his contract by two years, so he'll be at Manchester City. Um, it'll be thirty. He'll be thirty three when his contract finishes. So it's looking more likely that he may well end up finishing his career at Manchester City which is good news for Manchester City great news for Kevin De Bruyne club captain and stuff like that and obviously going to be winning another Premier League trophy and trying to steer his team towards Champions League with a good win last night over Borussia Dortmund so we're going to and it's it's good news it's good news for every fan of every other club as well because whatever about Man City being able to buy all the talent you don't want someone as good as Kevin De Bruyne to leave the country so yeah. he's, it's not like he's going to transfer to another club in the Premier League so I, I'm delighted he signed a new contract it just means we get to watch him for another four years exactly Keep, keeping the talent in the what, what keeping the talent in the, in the league exactly so we're going to come up onto the upcoming fixtures Ed um, one game on the Friday evening it's Fulham at home to Wolves nice little game on the Friday um, it's a big game for Fulham Fulham need to start getting points on the board and not just draws they need to get three points it's a great time to play Wolves Wolves are kind of just sitting in the middle of the table um, I can see Fulham getting a result in this game I think obviously Fulham need the points more than Wolves um, so Fulham really need to start winning games getting the three points on the board as we say their next uh, couple of games are very very difficult Wolves at home Arsenal away Chelsea away so this game is absolutely massive for Wolves. Or, sorry, massive for Fulham. I think if they lose this game, it could be curtains for them, especially if the likes of Newcastle get a result um, on the weekend. So we're going to move on to Saturday's games as well. First game, there's three games on Saturday. First game, Man City at home to Leeds. Um, I think it's a free hit for Leeds. Um, I pretty think they're pretty much safe after last weekend's result. Man City are going to want to, like we said before, get this league over and done with. They've got a good result in the Champions League during the week. They're going to want to get another decent result in the weekend um, to kind of kick on and go 15, 16, 17 points clear in the league, get the league wrapped up. Um, a free hit for Leeds, but I can see a Man City comfortable win there again. Moving on to the 3 o'clock kickoff on Saturday, we have Liverpool hosting Aston Villa. Um, strange game. Um, Liverpool at home haven't been great. Aston Villa away have been great. So I don't really know what way to call it. You should sit kind of sway towards Liverpool having a comfortable win here. But Aston Villa are surprising. I think Jack Grealish could be back for this game as well. We thought he was going to be back for last weekend's game, but I think they've hit, they've saved him for this game. So it's going to be an interesting one to see how it goes. Liverpool had a um a confidence, a, a damaging result there during the week. Um against Real Madrid. So it'll be interesting to see if they bounce back against Aston Villa on Saturday. Then on Saturday, the final game on the Saturday is a half-five kickoff between Crystal Palace, the mighty Crystal Palace against um, <laughs> Chelsea. 
Chelsea are going to want it. Has to be three points for Palace. <laughs> has to be three points for Palace. I can see Chelsea getting a big win here after what happened. I don't think Tuchel's the type of manager to kind of sit down and rest. Um, they, have, they have a game against Porto tonight, which will be interesting to see what kind of team he plays. Um, obviously, he's going to go full strength. It'll be interesting to see what team he plays against Palace. He seems to rotate a lot. But I can see Chelsea baying for blood here against Palace. Um, we said it. We keep saying this with Chelsea. I can see them having a comfortable maybe 1-2, maybe 3-0 win. But now when I look, Palace will beat them 4-0. And that wraps yeah. up. To be honest, I think I think the... Um, sorry to cut across it. I think the uh, the Palace, the, the Chelsea reaction will probably come tonight against Porto. So mm. they, they could be they could be fairly vulnerable again come Saturday against Palace, depending on how tonight goes. Yeah, I think, I think with the... The international break over and done with and stuff like that. They got that shock against West Brom. Like you say, if they get a good win tonight against Porto, you never know. Porto are a decent enough team. Everyone's writing Porto off. Porto could do a job against Chelsea tonight and they could be really, really struggling for confidence against Palace um, on the weekend. But that wraps up our Saturday, Ed. Yeah, um, and that brings us into Sunday. We've been early kickoff, which is a tasty one for uh, down the bottom of the table. Burnley at home to Newcastle. Um like you said, Fulham, Fulham desperately need to win that game on Friday night. Two reasons is they played a game extra over Newcastle and also they could psychologically get into Newcastle's head um, and possibly go above them in the table, I think, if they win uh, against Wolves on the Friday. So at least it puts doubt into Newcastle's brains before Sunday. Um, Burnley, like they've shown against Southampton, like they can score goals, they can attack I think Bournemouth might run out winners here, um, especially at home. Nick Pope and goal. I don't, I don't know if I can see Newcastle getting a result here. If they do, it would be absolutely huge for them, though. If they get all three points here and Fulham, Fulham lose on Fulham Friday night. Friday and Newcastle win on, set on Sunday morning, it could be the end of Fulham. That's how big it is. Could be. Psychologically, it could be. But, um, yeah, I'd probably say Bournemouth, though. Uh, myself on that one, I could see Bournemouth coming come away with that one with a victory. In all my predictions, that means Newcastle will win 5 0. That brings me on to the second game on Sunday, which is West Ham at home to Leicester, which is a juicy game on the opposite side of the table, at the opposite end. Um, I don't know what way to call this. I was really disappointed with Leicester against City. Um, they've actually a good record against City in the last few years. They've, they've given them a couple of hidings. So I was kind of I was kind of let down by how punchless they were against City West Ham had a re- another really good win Lingard's in some form uh, a goal and an assist I think West Ham are coming into this confident sky high and Leicester are coming in like they probably expected to lose to City so it's not the end of the world but they're still coming off a defeat they didn't play that great so I, I think West Ham could nick this one Um it's a big oh, game, God, isn't it? It's a big game. Like, like yeah. West Ham win the game, they go a point behind Leicester. Leicester win the game, they pretty much cement a Champions League place. That's the way I'm looking at it. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a huge game, yeah. huge game. Yeah, and that brings us into another... That's actually three pretty big games on the row um, on Sunday. The next one is Spurs at home to Man United. Um, Spurs need this, these points more. Uh they need three points to maintain a top four challenge, mm. especially after dropping points in Newcastle. 
they it's a must win for Spurs for their for the European hopes. Well, for Champions League anyway. Um, you know they could probably afford a bad result here just because they got themselves a bit of breathing space from Leicester last weekend. I still think though. I still think myself, you know, I'd probably nick this one two one. Yeah. I think I think um Spurs it's it's a hard one. Um that's that was a that was a really poor result against Newcastle last weekend. Um Manchester United barely got by Brighton as well, although they played decent football. I can just see this one being a draw, to be honest with you. Um I think both teams will probably take the draw. I think Spurs might take this um, yeah. to be honest with you. I think Man United will be happy enough with the draw as well. Man United will probably have one eye on the Leicester-West Ham game before as well. And if Leicester win that game, they might try and change their tactics a little bit. Um, but you never know. Yeah. But uh, we've won more game then on the Sunday. Ed. Yeah, and it's uh, the basement club, Sheffield United, hosting mm-hmm. Arsenal. Um, we've already we've touched on Arsenal a lot here. Um, Sheffield United are basically that I gone. Got um, so... All I can see here is an Arsenal win. Um, they need it. Hopefully the young lads are back so that he can take out the mercenaries that are in the squad. Um, they they could do with a good good four or five nil win here at Arsenal just for their, their confidence sake. Um, because it's 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 probably shattered after the last two victories. So I can see nothing but an Arsenal win here, man. And that brings us into Monday. Yeah. Um. West Brom against Southampton. Now, we say that it could be West Brom are gone, West Brom are gone, this, that, and the other. They're only prolonging the inevitable. If they manage to get a win against a team that's around them, you could maybe give them a glimmer of hope. Again, I think West Brom need to win every game from now to the end of the season to actually have a chance of staying up, um, especially with the likes of they're playing teams around them. Um. Southampton win this game, they stay up, in my opinion. And if West Brom lose this game, they go down. That's just, just as simple as that. It's a nice game to have on a Monday uh, evening to start off the Monday, but we won't spend too much time in it. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a case of if Southampton get the win, they go up to 39 points. Um, they could leapfrog Crystal Palace, depending on what they do, and they'll definitely prolong their, um, renew their Premier League status for another year and send West Brom down to the drop. And then we have a huge game at eight fifteen on Monday evening is. <laughs> yeah, and uh that's Brighton at home to Everton. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't I don't really know which way to call this, to be honest, Matt. Um Everton's last couple of fixtures they they haven't they've had loads of chances but they haven't been able to finish them off. It's actually probably a similar story for both these mm-hmm. teams, uh to be honest. Uh, create an awful lot of chances, don't seem to finish them off. On paper, really, based on me saying that, we should have a, a three-all or a four-all draw, but um, this is the type of team, I think you probably agree with me, that Everton would slip up against. Yeah. Whereas, it's also, from Brighton's point of view, they are still missing a lot of chances. They're not, they're not taking their chances to get a foothold in games and, and get a two or three-goal lead set up and then they can start playing more comfortable they they're not writing games off when they should so yeah. Everton could capitalise on that they need Richardson and Cavaloon to start taking their chances though like you said um, and Brighton probably say the same thing so I actually think 
there's, there's obviously there's actually a good few top games on there the weekend, but I have a sneaky feeling that one could have the most goals in it. To be honest, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was looking forward to these two games, like the Crystal Palace and Everton um, game was a bit of a letdown, but we nearly got the three points out of that one. Point isn't the worst result. If we had been beaten, it would have been a really bad result. Everton against Brighton, we need three points in this game. The fact that it's away from home as well only bodes well for Everton. Um, Brighton aren't the best at home as well. Um, Everton have a couple of players coming back. Uh, Alan missed the game last weekend, but he should be back for this one. Jean-Philippe Gabamon, after 597 days off, came back for Everton for 15 minutes. <laughs> Like 597 days without kicking a ball and he came back there 15 minutes. So it was actually great to see and I'm delighted he's back. So hopefully he can kick on and be like a new signing for Everton with these last uh, seven or eight games. Huge, huge game in the terms of the run-in for Everton. If they win it, they still have hopes of European football. If they lose it, they're going into a run of games against Spurs, Arsenal, Aston Villa and West Ham. So you need to have that little cushion there. Um, With the likes of Spurs playing uh, United, West Ham playing Leicester and stuff like that. It's a it's a massive opportunity for Everton to kind of bridge the gap a little bit and be more comfortable in the table going into the Spurs Arsenal uh, Villa and West Ham game. So big big game for Everton and also a big game for Brighton. Um, they'll need the three points as well, just as much as Everton do. I think if Brighton win this game as well, they could see themselves uh, safe as well for another year. So. Uh, that wraps it up. That wraps up our upcoming fixtures. I think we have a couple of games to look forward to there um, this week. I'm going to actually say we have two games to look forward to. Obviously, the Spurs and um, Man United game, but that could be a dead rubber. Like, it could be a nil or a draw. You never know. Two teams not wanting to win. Two teams not wanting to lose. So, I'm going to give the game to look forward to this week as West Ham and Leicester. I think that's going to be a cracker. That could be a really, really good game, especially with the terms of uh, Champions League football, everything that's at stake. Um, but we'll have a look at it uh, next week and see uh, where we lie. But yeah, that's it, Ed. Do you have any uh, games yourself to look forward to? Uh, the two you mentioned, and then I think the third one I throw in would be City and Leeds, just because I think they actually drew, bizarrely, I think they actually drew nil all yeah. later yeah. on in the season. And if I can remember correctly, it was probably one of the best nil all draws I've watched yeah, it was unbelievable, yeah. in years. So even if they give us nil all tomorrow, it should be a good nil all. Um, City will probably rest players for the return leg of the Champions League. So I don't know. You don't know which way it could go. Um, yeah. well, I think City will just be too good probably for Leeds defence in the end. Yeah, I can see that as well. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend's fixtures. Um Champions League games tonight as well. Europa League games on Thursday. Yeah, that's it. So our game to look games to look forward to. Um, so we have our game to look forward to, which will probably be on the Sunday. Spurs and United, and then West Ham and Leicester. A couple of other games depending, but we'll we'll have a look at all of them again next Wednesday on the podcast. Ed, thanks very much for joining me again. I've been Matt. Smith. Thank I've you. been Matt Smith. He's been Ed Kogan, and that was a week in football.